Hi, welcome back to Tell Me About Your Job, the show where we learn the ins and outs of different professions straight from the professionals themselves. If you've ever wondered what different jobs are actually like, then you're in great company. Whether you're looking for a career change or just figuring out a college major, then this is the show for you. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Josh Nasser. Today, I'm joined by Kyle Martin, who's the Director of Content Creation for the College of Sciences at the University of Central Florida. Kyle, how are you doing? Doing good. Awesome. Well, glad to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. So let's get right into it. Tell me about your job, Kyle. All right. So uh, my title, I'm the Director of Content Development for the College of Sciences at UCF, um, the University of Central Florida. Depending on which metrics you use, it's the the largest or the second largest university in the U.S. Um, so really big school, about 70,000 students. Um, oh, wow. The College of Sciences is the largest college at UCF. Um, there's about 13,000 students and a couple thousand faculty and staff. Um, college of Sciences itself includes both social and physical sciences. So we have everything from chemistry to political science. My role is to, I kind of see it as, as operating like a little mini news agency within the College of Sciences. My role is to show what's happening in the College of Sciences, both with the students and the faculty and the research, um, as well as alumni stories. So graduates have gone on and done great mm-hmm. things. Um, I get leads and tips from faculty, from, um, we work closely with our advancement team. They let us know about stories that are going on. I'll take those leads and do the interviews and write them myself. Or I also have a student writer that I work with and she'll write stories and I'll edit them. And then I post that content onto the website. And I also manage our social media. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and um, make sure we put eyes on the stories as well. That's the bulk of my job. A lot of it is also brand protection and editing and quality control, that type of stuff too. So you've been into this industry a long time, right? Uh, 15 years. What kind of made you get into it? How did you get your start? So I started out as a newspaper reporter. Uh, that I went to school to Mississippi College to get a journalism degree. Um, that was my first passion and my first love. It still is. And um, is the, the writing and editing aspect of it. So I was a newspaper reporter. I was at three different newspapers, uh, mostly covering public safety and courts. And that's really where I learned to develop a story, uh, the value of a good interview, how to conduct an interview, um, how to write well, the importance of accuracy, all the fundamental building blocks of content creation. So uh, so I was a newspaper reporter for eight years. I switched to marketing in 2012. Uh, My first job was at Wounded Warrior Project in Jacksonville. That was a great position. I, my last job at a newspaper was the Augusta Chronicle in Georgia. And mm-hmm. during that time, I started really working with post 9-11 veterans and kind of talking about finding stories and ways to, you know, a big part of what I do is tell stories. That's that's the, the biggest distillation of what I do is, is to tell stories. And regardless of whether I'm doing it for marketing or journalism, a good story has the power of bringing whatever topic you're doing in life. So, mm-hmm. for instance, and that's really where I started to develop that idea of when I was working with post 9-11 veterans, I saw what the unemployment numbers were, but just flatly telling, well, unemployment is this number is not really compelling. It's not really engaging. It's not going to grab your attention. 
so what I did instead was I, for example, I did a ride along with uh, two veterans that were doing a job hunt hmm. and just went from one place to the next, watching what was going on every time they went in. You know, there was not a lot of jobs available and, and the people they were talking to wanted to hire them, but they weren't able to. And so telling the story from that perspective really shifted that perspective and it, it told a better story than just what flat numbers. Yeah. There's a, a dad that has a little girl that just lost her first teeth behind 6.8% unemployment. Mm-hmm. So I really developed a passion for working with veterans and Wounded Warrior Project was a great opportunity to do that. So I switched in 2012 to Wounded Warrior Project to marketing. I loved being a reporter, but to be completely frank, I was delivering pizzas on the weekends mm-hmm. uh, by the time I got to my last job. And at the time I had three kids and it just wasn't sustainable. Yeah. There was not a lot of opportunity for growth. You understand the, the status of newspapers and mm-hmm. the way it's going right now. So I, I jumped ship, went to the dark side as we call it. And we Warrior Project was a great opportunity. I still did a lot of interviewing um, and, and I managed the quarterly magazine that went out and also the annual report and the policy agenda. In all of those instances, I was using stories to tell I guess kind of to, to build a brand of Wounded Warrior Project to show what Wounded Warrior Project was doing, um, the programs that they offered, and then also just to make that more accessible. So mm. Wounded Warrior Project was a great opportunity. I did that for about two and a half years and then moved to Orlando and started working for Florida Polytechnic University in Lakeland. It's a brand new um, university that just started 2012. So it was kind of on the front lines of developing the brand and did a lot of the same things even though my title has changed and my job has changed the concept has always been the same find stories tell stories and build brand affinity build brand awareness through storytelling Mm -hmm. so in that role again doing a lot of content development writing stories managing social media working with the web team to put those stories out there working a lot of marketing materials a big part of what i've done has always been fundraising and helping the fundraising teams. I've never held a a fundraising job, but I've developed a lot of the stories that are used for fundraising purposes. Mm. And again, it shows what the need is using a story and and explaining. We're not just asking for a building. We're asking for a place for students to learn and to do research and just shifting the narrative in the way that we do that. So from Florida Polytechnic University, I went to Healthy West Orange, which is a a small nonprofit in Okoe, uh, just outside Orlando. And I was a marketing manager at that job. It was much more hyper-local. It was very focused just on West Orange County. Each job kind of develops a little bit of a different skill. Uh, the core fundamental writing and interviewing has always been there. With Florida Poly, I kind of learned a little bit more about social media. With Winnie Warrior Project, I did a lot more video work. Mm. With Healthy West Orange, I did a lot more graphic design than I had done before. All of that led up to UCF where I am today. So I've moved on from specialist to manager to director now. It's still telling a story. It's interesting because UCF is so massive. Everything is decentralized. Everything is very siloed. Um, that's a constant battle of building bridges and working with other communicators and other colleges to make sure we're all on the same page. Yeah. But there is also central marketing at UCF that does more like the billboards and the main social media, things like that. A lot of what I did at Florida Poly was basically what Central does here. I was playing Central role at, at Florida Poly because it was a much smaller shop. Yeah, that's that's a, a fifteen year journey, <laughs> probably five minutes, and I could definitely elaborate on other stuff as well. But I think the the key takeaway from from over that 
the overall is just the storytelling aspect and listening and finding ways to tell stories for marketing purposes. Okay, yeah. I know you kind of touched on it earlier and I think you've kind of been building up into it, but what is like an average day for you at UCF actually look like in your position? Most days I start out, I have a content calendar uh, that I look at. It keeps the track of all the stories that we have going on, both the stories we've published, the stories that we have in the works. If I've sent something out for approval, you know, what's the status on that? And just keeping tabs on that calendar. That's really everything that that drives me. Mm -hmm. I also have a social media calendar that I, I look at. Things change overnight. I was saying today, actually, you know, this the content calendar is a little more stable. Um, social media can change day by day. Sometimes something comes in that we weren't expecting. Yeah. Um, last week, for instance, we had a, a professor that had retired, but had passed away. So we had to do that kind of story on deadline and change that up pretty quick. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of it is, is just monitoring the content flow, making sure we're on track on deadline, planning out projects. For instance, right now we're working on our annual report. Um, and we're in some of the early stages, but working with our in-house graphic designer and see if he has anything he needs done in addition to writing. So I may be doing an interview that day. The quality control happens a lot too. My boss does a lot more of the email marketing, but I'll still proof emails. If we have like flyers and things like that, I'll proof those for accuracy and brand consistency. Most days there's more or less a, a pretty steady flow, but there's still a couple of curveballs that come through throughout the day. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like from what you've said that each and every job that you've had leading up to this has definitely built some portion of what your day to day looks like now, which seems really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I've reached the point where I feel very confident if we're talking. I was in a meeting today with um, the dean and a couple of other top officers, and I feel comfortable in that setting with people that are maybe longer in their careers. But I feel confident if we're talking about marketing things. To voice my opinion. I feel like I have that expertise and I don't hesitate to say, well, let's try it this way. Or if you're trying to solve this problem, let's do this. That's the benefit of having that experience. Yeah, definitely. What would you say is kind of your favorite thing about your job or about the jobs that you've had leading up to it? The creative aspect is what I enjoy the most. So if you say we're going to, let's say we have a goal, let's say we have like our day of giving, which is our annual fundraising campaign. Mm-hmm. And you say, all right, we got this coming up. Let's find a creative way to promote it. My brain instantly starts firing. I am super excited to find creative ways of presenting our message. Last year, for instance, we did a video because there were so many different funds. And I was like, there's got to be a way to talk about everything that you can give to you. So I, I stumbled across my brain, just said, well, what about our favorite things? And then I instantly went to Sound of Music. So we did a video about the song. These are a few of my favorite things. I tapped a, a music student to sing it for me. <laughs> and we just did it about mummies and uh, all the different things that you can donate within the college. <laughs> so any opportunity to be creative and do something fun is is what I like the most about my job. Yeah, I think I remember seeing that video and laughing the whole way through. It was fun. Flipping that around a little bit, what's one of the hardest things that you have to do as part of your job? It's been interesting being a supervisor. I don't think it's hardest. I enjoy um, the students that I work with, but some of the administrative side, the technical stuff, the timesheets and things like that, that was kind of the opposite of being creative. And so that... Mm makes my my head hurt <laughs> it can be frustrating sometimes being in as massive a university as ucf is yeah the the benefit of being in a massive university is there is a lot of resources there's a lot of ways that you can 
work with other people, but it also means that you don't know everything that's available. You have to build bridges. You have to actively pursue relationships with other communicators just so you can keep track of what's happening. I've been able to do that. I, I work well with the, the central marketing team, the content team, but that can be frustrating. Sometimes things happen, like you'll see a story published and you're like, well, that was College of Sciences. Like nobody told me that was <laughs> happening. And so that's just the downside of being in a massive university. But yeah, I think that's just probably the most frustrating thing. Okay. Now, what has surprised you about the field that you're in? I'm a very introverted person, mm -hmm. but I love working with people and people will surprise you every time. I've done literally thousands and thousands of interviews and I've talked to so many people and there are patterns that you can read in an interview. You can kind of go into an interview. Probably shouldn't say it, but I, I feel comfortable going to interviews unprepared. I know generally what mm -hmm. we're going to talk about and I don't write out questions. I know how to run an interview. I've done it, but you will be surprised by people sometimes. And you think an interview is going to go one way or you think you have somebody figured out and then they drop something interesting that you weren't even aware of. And so you start pursuing that line of questioning as well. And then I think that's a positive thing. It's always interesting to see the depths of what people have done, their experiences and what brought them to that point. We're all kind of like the same crossroads and we're all working at the same university, but we have different paths that got there. It's always interesting to see what, what, what brought somebody there. Hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. So you mentioned earlier that you have a degree in journalism uh, from Mississippi mm -hmm. College. What do you think about that degree um, versus others for kind of getting into your field? Well, I think it depends on what you want to do. A marketing degree, I don't really know what all that involves. I have a student that's doing marketing and I've looked over her shoulder and she's doing accounting and things like that. And I don't know, I think when it comes to education, internship is very invaluable. Um, there's really no replacement for being in the field and learning from your mistakes and finding mentors. The fundamentals of what I do, I mean, we're kind of split between marketing and communications and they're very close together, but they're not the same. Communications is more of my, my wheelhouse where I'm writing stories and I'm writing information and trading information and putting that out there versus marketing, which is selling an idea or selling a product. In my line of work, we're not selling a product, we're selling an experience, we're selling the brand of college sciences. Mm. But we do that through email campaigns or through events and things like that. My boss handles a lot more of that side of the house. So I think when you're coming to education and you're trying to figure out what you want to do, I don't think a journalism degree is a bad idea. A journalism degree teaches you for, especially the storytelling aspect of it. If you want to do more like the hard email marketing side of it or the, the straight marketing, which would be like work for an agency, for instance, where you multiple accounts like public relations and things, I think a marketing degree would help you with that. But if you want to be on the more of the storytelling side, and I think that's where a lot of nonprofits benefit from, mm -hmm. a, a journalism degree would also benefit you from that respect. Yeah, that's definitely good information, kind of noting the differences there and the advantages of either. Mm -hmm. Kind of outside of education, and I think you've talked about it even from your own experience about um, being introverted, but still needing to talk to people and needing to kind of find joy in that. What are some other qualities that you think someone could see in themselves that would make them maybe well suited for something like this? You know, it's interesting because I have a student and it cracks me up because the stuff that she writes is exactly the way I used to write. <laughs> like I can see exactly why she wrote it the way she did. And it's not bad at all. It's just clunky. It doesn't get straight to the point. 
It has cliches. It tries to, it uses too many big words. It doesn't get straight to the point. It's the way that you think it should sound mm -hmm. when you write it. And so having that experience and looking back at that lens, I mean, I feel so bad for the editor. So the <laughs> that I've inflicted my stories on because I know exactly what they went through. So we'll start with patience. That's a good quality <laughs> to have. I love nurturing and teaching and mentoring students, um, especially ones that are good at what they do and they want to be better. But patience is really great quality. Humility is really important. You don't have all the answers. I mean, I'm interviewing physicists that have PhDs. They have a lot of letters after the names and things that I, I don't know the first thing about. Mm -hmm. And you have to be willing to say, I don't understand what that means. Can you explain it this way? Or what I hear you saying is this, does that sound correct? Or, you know, questions like, how would you explain this to your grandma? That's when I use it a lot. <laughs> you don't know what they're talking about. Like I said, I, I feel very comfortable talking about marketing and communications and making recommendations because that's what I understand and that's what I know. But physics and chemistry and things like that, I I don't have the first idea. Yeah. Um, so humility is a great trait to have. I think you need to be a daydreamer and just a... A thinker and somebody that's that gets lost in your own head. I spend a lot of time. Well, not anymore. I used to drive a lot. <laughs> I used to have a forty-five minute commute, and I would spend a lot of time in my head, just thinking and about the day and wondering and and kind of seeing the big picture and and letting your mind look at the way that things have always been done and how maybe you can do it differently. A lot of things are cyclical. And you can know that, well, I know this year we're going to do the annual report because that's what you do every year. Mm -hmm. How can we do that differently? I think closely related to that is curiosity. I remember my first boss would tell me, you need to be curious about everything. My first editor, you know, why does this yeah. doorknob turn the way that it does? Everything has a reason for it there. But why, why is that? And so don't be content and, and wonder about things and, and maintain that sense of wonder. Yeah, I think those are probably the qualities I would point, I would start with. Wow. Yeah, those are awesome. Now, I know that you've got a pretty big family. So mm -hmm. work-life balance, you know, is something that is definitely important and probably hard to juggle. What does that kind of look like yeah. with your job and what has it kind of looked like in the past? Well, what it's looked like in the past and what it looks like today are two different things entirely. A big part of being a reporter is long hours for little pay. A lot of reporters stay on because they're very passionate about the job. I I love being a reporter, but there's no five o'clock. Five o'clock is sort of the deadline, but deadline doesn't mean that's the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, if you're cramming courts and you get somebody gets shot at four o'clock in the afternoon, then sorry, like you got to go handle that. Yeah. Um, and especially being in a small newsroom and you're the crime and courts guy, somebody has to do it. I worked a lot of weekends. I worked a lot of late nights. That definitely takes a toll um, on the family. And holidays are not guaranteed. You know, I remember working like Labor Day and some things like that so I could have Christmas off. Mm -hmm. A lot of the reporters that are left in the newsroom are single or they've been in the business for so long they don't really have anything else they can do. Yeah. When I switched over to marketing, I traveled a lot for Wounded Warrior Project, but I still got to go home at five o'clock. Mm -hmm. This job is not hard. Um, there's some days that are a little stressful than my current job, and there's a few days that... Um, require a little more effort, but I'd say probably 98% of the days, you know, Mondays are probably pretty the fullest days, but most of the time I go home at five and there's no need to check email at night. I've told that to my student intern before because she felt bad because she was, you know, sick or something like that. And she's like, I, I feel bad. I'm like, we're not saving lives. Like it's, <laughs> it's okay. You know, 
I think it's really important to maintain that separation. Your job is a job and I spend more time at work than at home just by benefit of working 40 hours. I think it's really important to consider the fact that if you look back on your life, on your deathbed, I would much rather be at home throwing the football in the backyard than working on that paper or working on that story. Mm -hmm. Those are much more permanent memories and much more permanent impact that you're having. I'm very blessed and fortunate to have a good work-life balance. I'm very aware of having both a boss that promotes that and to have a job that allows that. I would agree. It's, It's definitely incredibly important. So you mentioned earlier, long hours for little pay, at least in the newspaper mm-hmm. side of things. What can somebody expect from the money side of things, whether it's newspaper or more where you're at now? My first job at the uh, Greenwood Commonwealth, I made $21,000 a year. Mm-hmm. I paid my rent in two installments and we ate a lot of ramen and corn muffins. <laughs> and, you know, and I was working Saturdays like every other Saturday and it was a bummer. Yeah, I lasted at that job about nine months. My second job, I was making $27,000 a year. So, woo, bump and pay. When I started in 2006, I was one of maybe six or seven reporters. Mm-hmm. We hit the recession in 2008. And by the time I left, we had been furloughed on Mondays. So every other Monday I was off but not being paid, um, which meant that as one of three reporters at that point, There were some days I was the reporter for the newsroom. Wow. I was taking on other responsibilities and we had, we were editing ourselves and and we were editing other reporters and we were doing a lot of work. That was really tough. Yeah. That was even more than I wanted to have. And I think that was the job that I was the most successful at, but it was just, it was bad. Yeah. At the Augusta Chronicle, which was my next job, I made $37,000 a year. That one was a little bit easier. The newsroom was bigger. The The paper was um, a little better funded, but it was frustrating because the Augusta Chronicle is the, the flagship paper of Morris newspapers. Um, they also own the Jacksonville Times Union, which is a bigger paper, but the Augusta Chronicle is kind of their flagship paper. So all the leadership was in Augusta. They would have these come to Jesus meetings where they would assemble. It was, it was ridiculous. Like if you looked at the third floor where the newsroom was, we had this like ink stained carpet that had been there since Nixon was in office <laughs> and it was just run down, just not great. And the fourth floor, I kid you not, had like mahogany walls and like, this beautiful carpet <laughs> and it was night and day. It was starkly different. I think for most reporters, I can speak for most reporters, it was just a love for the job and a love for uncovering things and being a public servant and doing this stuff that made up for that, you know, and it was mm-hmm. frustrating because I feel like the fourth floor people would, you know, go to a conference or something and they would come back with some ideas. Like they came back one time and they said, okay, we're going to switch to digital media. And I mean, to be fair, they were struggling because Craigslist was sucking away all of their ad revenue and people were trying to get their news and they didn't want to pay for a paywall. And so they were struggling in their own right to try and find ways to make newspapers profitable. Yeah. But they went to this like digital model where they wanted us to buy a smartphone and they would give us like a hundred dollar allowance. And I'm like, I don't have enough to feed my family. Like, yeah. And you want me to buy like a smartphone? Like I don't (laughs) understand. And so it was things like that, that they always would pat themselves on the back and feel like we were doing this great job and they weren't really listening. And Mm -hmm. You know, I, I did start delivering. I delivered pizzas for about 11 months, almost a full year, all the while trying to find another job and trying to get out of that. 
Yeah. Um, and I was working six days a week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'd go from work straight to Papa John's. And you know, Thursday, Friday, I'd work probably six to nine. And then on Saturdays, probably like five to like one in the morning. And I did that every week. It was exhausting and it was, it was, it was rough. So I remember distinctly interviewing with Wounded Warrior Project and I was talking with the HR rep and she said, the salary is $50,000 a year and health insurance is completely paid for. And there was a train going by and I said, can you repeat that one more time? <laughs> I want to make sure I heard that correctly. Wounded Warrior Project was fantastic. I mean, they... The salary was actually $55,000 a year and, you know, you got your own phone and that was great. It was still tight because my wife didn't work. So there were some months that were tighter than others, but it was definitely an improvement. The health insurance was good. The benefits were good. The challenge was I was traveling a lot. I was going around the country doing interviews, doing photo shoots, doing video shoots and things like that. And yeah. as much as I loved that, it was, it was a strain on the family too. Yeah. Florida Poly, I think I started at 61, um, so not a huge bump in pay. And the other challenge with Florida Poly was I was driving an hour uh, to work every day. Oh, wow. Um, and then an hour back home. It was 60 miles. It was 120 miles round trip every day. Yeah, that's tough. So that put a lot of wear and tear in the car. I got into a lot of good podcasts, but other than that, with Healthy West Orange, it was 59. It went down slightly. But because it was almost literally across the street, my commute went from an hour to seven minutes. So we were able to make ends meet with that. UCF, I'd rather not say exactly what my salary is, but yeah. um, it's a significant bump in pay as well. And it's a director position. Um, I had only been at Healthy West Orange for nine months. And I loved the job and I was good at the job and I liked the people I worked with. But it was an opportunity to go into the state system to become a state employee. Mm -hmm. um, which offers a lot of stability and it's easy to get locked into the state system and just be there um, and ride it out. So, yeah. and I'm very fortunate to have the job that I do, that I enjoy the job that I have and that I enjoy the people I work with. Man, that definitely, um, I mean, to be frank, it sounds like a, a hard path to take through the newspapers and then up to where you are now. It's a very long time coming. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like I earned every stripe that I have. <laughs> It's much more fair on my family. I mean, my wife sacrificed a lot so that I could have a job that I liked. I'm glad that I can give that back to her and have her have a lot more stability. And she's been able to work now that the kids are in school. Mm -hmm. And that's helped us as well, just even to, to save more. I don't mind saying last year was the first time that I opened a 401k. Mm -hmm. It was the first time I had enough extra money that I felt like I could save for retirement. I'm 37 and I'm just now starting to save, but I never had enough that I could do that um, or even pay extra for life insurance. Yeah. Um, I always kind of leaned on whatever the company was offering, but now I can pay for life insurance and I can pay for a 401k. So yeah, that's so awesome to see how that journey has gotten you there for sure. Don't go into newspapers if you want to be rich. <laughs> There's zero glamour. It is cool at a party and you say, oh, my newspaper report. Oh, wow. I mean, it, there is like... <laughs> There's like a little bit of a glamour surface level, but realistically, no. There's nothing glamorous about talking to people about death and chaos. It weighs on your mind. I can imagine. If you were to talk to a high schooler or a young college student or anyone looking to get kind of into the field, what would you tell them as kind of some first steps or next steps to put them on that path? I would start with an internship. I think it's okay to try different things. I would start there. 
Um, when I was in college, I was pretty sure that I wanted to be a newspaper reporter, but I took a test to become a court interpreter, a Spanish interpreter, just to see if that would work. I didn't pass the test, which is ironic because I grew up speaking Spanish. But <laughs> there's a difference between formal court Spanish interpretation and just like talking street Spanish. <laughs> but be comfortable with trying different stuff, especially if you're in college or in your high school. You have the time to experiment and, and make mistakes and, and try different things and be comfortable with that. Don't feel locked in right away. I think you should do something that you're passionate about and make sure that that's something that doesn't feel like a job. I mean, I think every job is a job at some mm -hmm. point, but most of the time I don't dread going into work. I don't think there's ever been a day that I've, I've woken up and just like not wanted to go to work. Yeah. There's days that are tough or I know I've got something going on and I don't really want to do that. But <laughs> on a high level, you should be happy going to work. Yeah. And if you're not, you should be prepared to change. I think the days of working 30 years at a company and waiting for your Rolex, those are way behind mm -hmm. us. And even the idea that having a lot of jobs on your resume is a bad thing. I think that's going away too. I think recruiters are going to start looking past that, especially if they can see a natural progression. Yeah. I mean, I went from a content specialist to a content specialist to a marketing manager to a marketing director. They're all interrelated and they all make sense together. Mm -hmm. And so follow your passion and follow what you like to do. Don't be afraid of bouncing from different jobs. Take good opportunities when they come. I've never been really great about networking or pursuing good opportunities, but I think you should. Um, you should market yourself. My goodness, I've written so many resumes and so many cover letters. Um, <laughs> but it's all about the way that you sell yourself and the way that you see yourself and the value that you can add to other people. I think you should keep learning and try to find new skills. Be ready to fail and learn from those mistakes. I started doing photography uh, a year ago. And my goodness, I took some terrible pictures. Just, <laughs> I, had, I had no idea what I was doing, but I really enjoyed taking pictures for work. And I decided to buy my own camera and start pursuing that and trying different things. And I like to say I'm always excited when I do something terrible the first time because now I've got that done with. And I don't have to worry about that anymore. The first time I took a camera out and drove in manual mode and had a relative as my model, and it wasn't great. It probably wasn't as bad as I make it out of my mind. I mean, I'm my own worst critic, but... <laughs> It was like, it's done. The first terrible set of photos is done. Now I can go on to the next one. And I know that those next ones are going to be a little bit better. But if you never even try, you're never going to get past that first one. So yeah. I think it's always worth trying and getting that first terrible whatever it is out of the way. And then you can do the next best thing. That is great advice. You know, if you're too afraid to take that first step, then you're never going to take the hundredth step either. And you're never going to have a hundred podcasts about people's careers. Exactly. <laughs> I get really irritated by people that talk all the time about what they're going to do. That just bugs me to no end. I'm like, just do it or don't, but don't talk about it. I was sitting out in the backyard with two of my best friends and one of them said, you know, we should go on a camping trip. Yeah, that'd be fun. And I said, I pulled out my phone and I said, we're going to put it on the calendar right now. We're going to do it in two months and it's on the calendar because otherwise we're going to talk about that camping trip that we want to do. And we're going to talk about, oh, we should do that someday. No, we're going to do it now. I'm putting it on the calendar. I'm going to be that guy. Don't talk about it. Either do it or don't or stop talking. That's fantastic advice. Kyle, do you have anything else you want to say before we close out? I think taking risk is a good idea. I would just repeat that one more time. It's okay to fail. 
you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. And as locker room as that sounds at the end of an inspirational Disney movie, <laughs> it's very true. You got to try. And if you don't make it, at least you know, and then you won't have to worry about that or wonder what I could have been. That's awesome. Kyle, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's been awesome. Thanks, Josh. appreciate it. Of course. I'll catch you later. All right. Bye. Thanks for checking out the show today. If you enjoyed today's episode or any of our others, be sure to leave a review in Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference, and we love to hear what you guys have to say. As always, catch you guys later.